In the last episode, we talked about how stress can actually be good for us. And I remembered a book that talked about things that gain from chaos and disorder. So let us dive into how other things that are perceived to be negative can be beneficial to us, or how we can use the negativity to our advantage. Hi, I'm Day, and you're listening to The Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment. Today, we'll be talking about Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain from Disorder by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Think of something fragile. It's a pretty easy concept to understand. Fragile items need to be well protected. Imagine buying a drinking glass set online. When they ship it, they'll put a fragile sticker and use a lot of bubble wrap or cardboard boxes to protect it from the environment so that it won't get to us in small, shattered pieces. And this happens when fragile items get exposed to extreme stress, drops, and shocks. Now think of the opposite of fragile. Most people would think robust. But robust just means that it will be tougher than the fragile one. Robust items still somehow break. So it's not really the opposite. If fragile is something that has a disadvantage when there are outside stressors, then the opposite should be something that benefits from those outside stressors. And the author mentions that the world's major languages has no word for it. Hence the word anti-fragile. Things that benefit from shock, things that prefer volatility than tranquility. A good example of anti-fragility would be the hydra, the many-headed serpent from Greek mythology. Cut one head off, two will grow in its place. Every time you harmed the beast this way, the more it benefited and it became more and more powerful. The same goes with evolution. Every time there is a stressor, evolution forces life forms to transform, mutate, and improve to become better suited to their environment and help with continued survival. But what is interesting about evolution is that the process of evolution itself is anti-fragile, but each individual organism is fragile. We can also see it in the economy. It is anti-fragile, but the parts of an economy which are from corporations to one-person stores are fragile. So what this shows is that for something to be anti-fragile, most of its parts should be fragile. And these parts are the one that gives us an indicator whether something works or not. So for evolution, a failure causes extinction. Success will make the organism survive. For the economy, a failure in a certain industry will make other players in the same industry stronger by learning from the failures. Let's say you opened a coffee shop. The coffee shop is fragile in the sense that it might succeed or not. If it fails, the coffee industry will actually become stronger because they will learn from your failures. I talked about exercising in another episode, and it's also a good example. You put your body into unusual stress, and because of that, our bodies grow stronger. Since we put shock and stress to lift or run, in times of emergency, it's easier to lift heavier objects or run down the stairs of a burning building. In this way, our bodies are anti-fragile. Think of the shock and stressors in the environment as exercise. Anti-fragile systems benefit from the shock and stressors by building up extra capacity. So anti-fragile systems thrive in volatile environments. And good thing is that it's typically found in natural or biological systems. Most man-made things cannot be anti-fragile as they cannot self-improve based on failures or unexpected stressors. Yet. Unless Terminator becomes a reality. But a washing machine will deteriorate over time, and it will be able to stand some abuse or neglect, but it cannot benefit from them. 
But to be fair, there are actual man-made systems that are anti-fragile like the economy that I mentioned a while ago. The economy has become somewhat biological due to the complexity of it. They consist of a series of interdependent layers and subunits. The complexity is crucial to all anti-fragile systems. Since as mentioned a while ago, anti-fragile systems depend on the fragility of the subunits. Some must fail or die to strengthen the system as a whole when there is volatility. And volatility is a big requirement, since if there is tranquility, the systems and parts would not have the pressure to constantly improve and would eventually lose its anti-fragility. Let's keep talking about the economy since it's a good example. Tranquility is dangerous. Many governments tried to tame the economy using regulations and even rewards to smooth out the economic cycle. And they believed that the economy could be managed and made more predictable and tranquil. But removing volatility, the vital stressors and shocks were gone. And there was no indicator of what was good or bad. And because of this, resources start to get misallocated, resulting the economy to become vulnerable to huge demanding shocks. And at the same time, no volatility means that there are no shocks or stressors that will push things to keep improving. And just like the previous book, where stress actually makes us stronger and prepares us for the next challenges, the concept of anti-fragility is similar to that. Tranquil environments result in fragile systems. Anti-fragility stems from volatility. So now that we know what it is, how do we take advantage of anti-fragility? You don't need to understand the opportunities you see, but just know when to take action. What does this mean? In general, society places far too much value on the theoretical or academic knowledge and not the practical knowledge. We think that the theoretical will actually lead to the practical, but they're two completely different things. For example, knowing why planes fly does not make us a qualified pilot. That's why the author was shocked when studying successful traders. Most of them were uneducated in the sense that they did not understand complicated economic theories or finances. They just knew when to buy and when to sell. So when we say we don't need to understand the opportunities but know when to take action, it's about whether or not we will use the option we have when the time comes. And the more options we have, the better we are able to choose based on the situation. This might be confusing, but we actually have experienced this numerous times in our lives. Remember a time when a friend asked you to come to a party if you're available. Now you have options to go and not to go or do other things. There's no need to forecast your plans or forecast your mood. When the time comes, you just decide. And whatever the decision is, and whether it turns out good or bad, we learn from it and improve from there. But to really benefit from unpredictable events, we must be able to manage our risks. It's about domesticating the uncertainty rather than avoiding or eliminating it. Here, we can use what they call the barbell strategy. Barbells have weights on both ends but nothing in the middle. So it's about preparing for the extremes, both negative and positive, and ignoring the middle. The first thing to do with the strategy is to concentrate on the negative element. For example, you want to invest. As people say, you don't invest 100%. So in this example, if you can ensure that 90% of those assets are secure against unexpected collapses, you know you are safe. Again, the point here is not to make money, but to keep it safe when there's uncertainty. So once the negative has been set, 
concentrate on the other end. With the remaining 10% of your assets, you can take small risks in highly volatile and unpredictable areas that you can profit from. The upsides can be huge, but the downside would only be losing 10%. Some people might say, why not put 100% in the middle? No matter how much can be made, if there's a sudden downturn, they stand to lose everything. When managing risks, here's something to keep in mind. The larger the organization or system is, the harder it would be hit by unexpected crisis. For example, you have to attend an important conference where you will be presenting, and this will make or break your career. Naturally, you plan ahead and book the flight in advance and get a cheap price for it. A day before the flight, the airline calls you and informs you that the flight has been canceled. And since you can't miss the conference, you book a much pricier last-minute flight. This is known as a squeeze, the opposite of having options. You have no choice but to do something. But imagine if it was not just you, but half your company that was needed in that conference. The squeeze would be bigger. And imagine the domino effect that unexpected flight cancellation would actually create. So yes, the bigger the organization or system, the harder it would be hit by unexpected crisis. And so this goes back to maximizing options. The more options you have, the more you are able to use and select the best one for that certain situation. So let's try summing it up. Anti-fragility, unlike fragile items which break when put under stress, anti-fragile items actually benefit from volatility and shock. The anti-fragility of a system depends on the fragility of its parts. The failure of certain parts serves as information to get stronger. Shocks and stressors strengthen anti-fragile systems by forcing them to build up extra capacity just like how we exercise and build our bodies. Since anti-fragility stems from volatility, tranquil environments result in fragile systems. So to take advantage of anti-fragility, we don't really need to understand the opportunities we see, but just to know when to seize them. We have to be able to manage our risks so that we can benefit from unpredictable events. And always remember that the larger the organization or system is, the harder it would be hit by unexpected crisis. So here are some actionable items so that we can be anti-fragile. Don't try to predict the future, just make sure you're prepared for it. So we can't really accurately predict what will happen in the future. Shocks and surprises, whether they're good or bad, will sneak up on us. Look at COVID-19. It's a very good example of it. Instead of us planning what we think might happen, we have to ensure we're prepared for anything. First, we have to minimize risks, ensure that even if the worst happens, our assets are secure. And when we are prepared and sure, this is when we can begin to take smaller risks that allow us to succeed. Getting squeezed is bad. Instead, we have to be able to maximize our options. So squeezes are bad. Options are good. Again, we don't really need to understand what the options are as long we have them. And when the time comes, that's when we can decide. This way, we avoid getting into situations where we are forced to do something, whatever the cost. It is much better to secure a position where we have the option, but not really require to do something. And the last actionable step is, it's often best not to listen to experts. Only listen to the experts who actually walk the talk. For example, you hear some advice from a financial expert about where to put your money. It might be best just to ignore it. After all, this expert could be wrong and it's your money they are playing with. There is no risk for them. They can go on making predictions, whatever the result. And most of the time, when it goes well, they take credit for it. 
And when it goes bad, they don't take responsibility for it. So if you really want to know what an expert really thinks will happen, find out where they put their own assets. Then you'll know where their trust lies. So when weighing advice, a good question could be, do they practice what they preach? And that was a quick summary on anti-fragile, things that gain from disorder, by Nassim Nicolas Taleb. Hopefully, this has made you see all the shocks and stressors as something that can make us better in the long run. What does not kill us makes us stronger. And what does not kill us evolves, mutates, and tries again. So we must do the same and keep getting stronger. Cheers to being anti-fragile. If you found this book summary interesting, go ahead and pick up the book since you'll be able to get more interesting information from it. And if you've enjoyed the summary, do let me know or share it through Instagram or Twitter. Don't forget to tag me at Daily for Instagram and at Daily Habit for Twitter. We'll be having new episodes every Wednesdays. So till the next episode, this is Day and thank you for listening to the Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment.